Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We'll allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchstone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Mesner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. And I too would like to welcome everyone to today's program, Update on CAR T-Cell Therapies. This is a, a topic that I know is of great interest to many of you on the call today. You're here. And um, I also want to acknowledge that we have lots of participants on the call today. There are 257 participants on the call today, and you come from all of the United States from both urban, rural, and suburban areas. And we also have international participants today from Brazil, Canada, Germany, Iraq, Netherlands, Poland, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and the United Kingdom. So it's really a bit of a global call. And today's program is supported by Bristol-Myers Squibb, and I really want to thank them for their support, not only of this program, but of many of our programs that we offer. Now, before we move on to our, introducing our speakers, I do have a few questions I'd like to ask all of you just to get a sense of what you know coming into the program. It helps us in, a, in planning programs going forward. So I'm going to start with the first question. And the first question is on a scale of one to five, with one the highest rating and five the lowest rating, please select your rating. I understand CARs or chimeric antigen receptors. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand when to consider CAR T-cell therapies as a treatment choice. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, I understand managing potential treatment side effects and discomfort of CAR T-cell therapies. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And there's just two questions left. I understand the benefits of CAR T-cell therapies. One is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And this will be the last question. I understand the importance of clinical trials for CAR T-cell therapies. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So I want to thank you all for participating in these questions. It helps us to better understand what you know about this topic coming into the program. So it's really now my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. John Leonard. Dr. Leonard is Senior Associate Dean for Innovation and Initiatives, Executive Vice Chair, Wild Department of Medicine, Richard T. Silver, Distinguished Professor of Hematology and Medical Oncology, Wild Cornell Medicine, New York Presbyterian. And Dr. Leonard will be addressing an overview of CAR T cell therapies in the context of COVID-19, understanding CARs or chimeric antigen receptors, when to consider CAR T-cell therapies as a treatment choice, key questions to ask your healthcare team about CAR T-cell therapies, the benefits of CAR T-cell therapies, and the emerging role of telehealth telemedicine appointments. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Leonard. 
Well, thank you very much, Dr. Messner, and I'd like to thank you uh, and your team at uh, Cancer Care as well as the other organizers and, of course, Dr. Jacobson, uh, our, uh, my co-presenter today. Uh, so CAR T-cell therapies, I think, are a very uh, exciting advance in the treatment of certain patients with cancer. And um, just to start off, CAR T-cell therapies are most appropriate and are FDA-approved for certain types of aggressive lymphoma, mantle cell lymphoma, follicular lymphoma, acute lymphocytic leukemia, as well as uh, recently approved for the treatment of multiple myeloma. So these are agents uh, that are applicable to a number of different types of cancer and therefore many different uh, patients with different forms of cancer. They are also being studied in a variety of other malignancies as well. So if you or your loved one is dealing with a different form of cancer, it's quite possible that there are CAR T-cell studies uh, in clinical trials uh, in other settings that may be more applicable to you as well. So I first want to talk a little bit about what is a CAR T-cell. So the immune system uh, is uh, something obviously we all have normally to fight infections. And if you think of the immune system as like the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine doing lots of different jobs to uh, fight infections normally, in the setting of cancer, we would love to have the immune system uh, fight off uh, cancer. And in fact, it's quite possible that it does for all of us on a day-to-day -day basis in that there's some evidence that we all develop cancers all the time, but our immune system may get rid of them without us knowing about it uh, even. But for certain cancers, obviously, they make themselves aware and can be quite, uh, uh, they make themselves known and can be problematic. Uh, and, uh, and, and that obviously is what many of us uh, on the call and in the world are dealing with. Uh, those cancers that somehow escape the surveillance or the monitoring of the immune system and turn into trouble, cause masses or, or other problems. And so there have been a number of different treatments for cancers, as you all know, whether it's surgery or radiation or chemotherapy or other new and targeted drugs. A number of these drugs have been developed to activate the immune system one way or another. So we have, many of you are familiar with uh, certain pills that can have immune effects or flick switches on immune cells or on tumor cells. There are what we call antibody treatments, uh, immune proteins that can fight the, the tumor or activate the immune system to fight the tumor. The concept of CAR T cells is to essentially um, rev up and turn on our T cells uh, to help fight a tumor. And so the concept is, is that T cells are, are normal immune cells that are going around uh, the body fighting infections. We all have uh, normal T cells that are doing different jobs to fight infections. In a patient with cancer, those T cells are around, going around the body fighting infections. Unfortunately, those T cells, kind of by definition, are not uh, sufficiently active against the tumor cells uh, because the tumor cell is existing in the context of the immune system of the person, of the patient. And so the concept is with CAR T cells, CAR T cells are called chimeric antigen receptors. So that's where the CAR comes from. Um, the idea is that these are, this is a procedure that essentially removes the patient's own T cells, these own immune cells, 
kind of like a fancy blood donation. They then in the laboratory or by a company, uh, in the case of the commercial CAR T-cell products or drugs that we're going to talk about, are engineered to be more active against the particular tumor that the patient is dealing with. The cells are then given back to the patient, um, typically after some form of chemotherapy, what we call lymphodepletion, to kind of clear out some of the normal immune cells so that the CAR T cells can can take up space and can can grow and be activated. And then the, the idea is that these CAR T cells, once they're back in the patient, can go off and, and go after the tumor cells uh, to try to destroy them. And so the chimeric antigen receptor, or CAR, is basically the the T cells, when they're donated by the patient, when they are in the laboratory, the cells are engineered and certain genes are put into the cells that basically do two things. One is so that that T cell is more specifically uh, activated against a target on the tumor cells. We'll talk about that in a second. And then that, that cell also has some immunostimulatory genes that are also inserted or a gene that's also inserted typically that can essentially rev up the T cells. So the idea is that these normal T cells in the cancer patient's system are not able to do the job, but by removing them through a blood donation, a fancy blood donation, in the laboratory engineering them to be more uh, effective against the cancer cell, and then given back to the patient after, again, a preparative lower-dose chemotherapy to clear out space for these cells to essentially set up shop and then go around the patient's body and uh, and go after tumor cells. So that is the general kind of uh, organization of how CAR T cells are administered, blood donation, chemotherapy, um, while the cells are engineered in the lab and then given back to the patient so that those uh, engineered um, juiced-up CAR T cells can go after the tumor cells. So there are several different uh, CAR T cells that are approved for the treatment of cancer. Uh, Three of them are approved for aggressive B-cell lymphoma, and you may recognize some of these names, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma, and transform B-cell lymphoma. And the names of these are quite tricky to keep in mind. I'll just, I'm going to say them, but they're hard to remember. One is called Yescarta, also called Axicaptogene Cellulosal. One is called Kimraya, Tizagen Lecluso. And one is called Brianzi or Lysocaptogene Mariluso. These are all approved for patients with aggressive lymphoma, typically who have received two or more prior therapies. And in patients who have been through multiple previous therapies, they shrink the disease the majority of the time, and somewhere between a third and a half of patients appear to have longer remissions going out a year or two years or longer. They are also, uh, there is also another one called Tecartis, or Brexucaptogene autoluso. That's approved for patients with recurrent mantle cell lymphoma. Yescarta that I mentioned earlier, or axicaptogene cellulosal, is also approved for patients with recurrent follicular lymphoma after two or more prior therapies. 
Another one, Kimraya Tisagen Leclusal, is approved for pediatric and young adult patients with acute lymphocytic leukemia, again, with typically multiple previous treatments. And then most recently, a, an agent called Abecma, or Idacaptogene Viclusal, is approved for patients with multiple myeloma. And in multiple myeloma, the target is something called BCMA, or B-cell maturation antigen. This agent was very recently approved, just within the last month or two. This is for patients with four or more prior therapies. So in myeloma, it's a different target for ALL, follicular lymphoma, mantle cell, and aggressive lymphoma, the target is all CD19. CD19 is a marker on the malignant tumor cells. And so these are typically approved, and I think Dr. Jacobson will get into the details of, of this a bit more, particularly the logistics and the, and the side effects. But these are, um, these are treatments that I think are very exciting. They are only given at this point for patients who have been through a number of prior therapies, as I mentioned. And again, the details of which prior therapies and which one of these and how they differ from each other, these are really things that are very detailed discussions that are best handled by the doctor that is administering, reviewing this with the patient and their family. But I think the key message is that these are, um, these are appropriate for patients, as I mentioned, to consider if they've been through multiple prior treatments. So they are not for someone receiving their first treatment, and in most cases, not for someone receiving their second treatment. They are usually given after the patient has been through a number of prior therapies and the disease has come back. So I think if you are a patient or your loved one is a patient with a B-cell type of lymphoma that I mentioned, or with multiple myeloma who've been through a number of prior therapies, this is something that I think in many cases your doctor should be discussing with you or, and or you should discuss with your doctor. Now, these are not treatments for everyone, in part because many situations there are other drugs that are appropriate and available before you would think about CAR T-cell therapies. And in some cases, um, the patient may not be appropriate because of the nature of the disease or their overall medical condition and overall situation. So whether or not one considers CAR T-cell therapy, um, again, it's something that is typically considered for patients who have been through a number of prior therapies. Now, the other setting or the other thing, there are clinical trials looking at CAR T-cells earlier in the course of treatment, but in general, these are not standardly done as, say, a first treatment or a second treatment in most cases. Again, typically, um, outside of clinical trials, they are done in patients who have been through a number of prior treatments. In general, and Dr. Jacobson will tell you more about this, but in general, CAR T-cell therapy is an involved process. And for those of you who have heard about stem cell transplants, um, from yourself in particular, there are some similarities to CAR T cells to a stem cell transplant from yourself, but I would say that some aspects of the treatment are easier with CAR T cells. Some may be harder than CAR T cells. Some patients who are not candidates for one might be candidates for the other. And in many uh, locations, many treatment centers, 
the therapists that uh, or the doctors that do the CAR T cell therapy are also the same doctors who do stem cell transplants. And so at our center, that's the case. It may be different at, at the center that that you may be treating, being receiving treatment at. But the idea is that our, uh, the doctors who are, are considering these options may also be considering uh, autologous or from yourself or allogeneic from someone else stem cell transplants. And so a consultation around CAR T cell therapy may also include discussions of whether or not the more standard stem cell transplants or the older stem cell transplants might be a, an option as well, and the pros and cons of those choices are usually part of the discussion. That said, there are some very clear benefits for CAR T-cell therapy. One is that in some cases, a patient who might not be a candidate for a traditional or standard stem cell uh, transplant might be a CAR T-cell candidate, me meaning that they may be somebody where the stem cell transplant didn't work, the standard stem cell transplant didn't work, there may be someone who has disease where a stem cell, standard stem cell transplant might not be appropriate, or there may be somebody who have, has medical conditions or other issues where a standard stem cell transplant might not be appropriate, but a CAR T-cell treatment might be reasonable to consider because of the different side effect profile. So the advantages of CAR T-cell therapies are that it provides other options for some patients um, who might not otherwise be candidates for other options, also, there are patients who have had long and good and very meaningful remissions, and some would argue even cures in some cases, to, to CAR T-cell therapy when standard chemotherapy or other treatments or other stem cell transplants were not effective. And so it does provide, albeit not in all patients, probably in the ballpark of a third of patients who get CAR T-cell therapies have long remissions, but there are a, long, a lot of nuances around that, and Dr. Jacobson might come back to that. But there are clearly therapies that can work when other things are not working well or didn't work well, and they are uh, therapies where patients can have a very important and good and meaningful remission, and in some cases potentially cure, despite other options not working well. So in my last minute, I just want to spend a second uh, on one of our other topics, the issue of uh, telehealth and telemedicine appointments. These are appointments that many of you may be familiar with. They were prompted by the COVID pandemic and the challenges of patients coming in for in-person visits because of the desire for social distancing and the desire to avoid crowds and perhaps avoiding coming in and being seen in person. This has been, I think, very helpful for many patients in the COVID epidemic, but I think that telemedicine and telehealth has been very helpful um, and has probably changed medicine in a number of ways, the rapid adoption of this, and that it does help patients, and Dr. Jacobson will, will talk about the, the details of this more, I think, in a few minutes, but it does uh, give patients other options to seek other opinions. You don't have to necessarily travel as far does make it more con convenient. You don't have to search for parking, uh, deal with parking and commutes and riding the subway or a bus in some cases. 
being able to do this from your home or your office can often be helpful for people and make it easier, particularly for older patients in some cases who may need help in, in traveling to the doctors. And so I think this has been very helpful uh, in some settings, but also is important to mind that it to keep in mind that it doesn't replace in-person visits and and being there in the same room, having the doctor examine you physically, and and being able to have that connection. But I think uh, it is an option that can be helpful for some situations. So with that, I'll I'll stop and uh, turn things over back uh, to you, Dr. Messner, and to Dr. Jacobson. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lena. That was really outstanding and just a wonderful, um, just uh, way, setting the context for today's program and really covering a lot of different topics um, that are so vital to people on the program today. So thank you so much. And I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A, and um, so thank you so much. And um, our next speaker is Dr. Karen Elise Jacobson, and Dr. Jacobson is Medical Director, Immune Effector Cell Therapy Program, Physician, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, Assistant Professor of Medicine, Harvard Medical School. And Dr. Jacobson will be addressing clinical trials for CAR T cell therapies, specific examples of how CAR T cell therapies contribute to oncology care, discussion of CAR T cell therapies, guidelines to manage potential symptoms, side side effects, discomfort, and pain of CAR T cell therapies, follow-up care, what to expect, and the roadmap to prepare for telehealth telemedicine appointments, including technology and list of questions. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Jacobson. Great. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks uh, for that great introduction, Dr. Mesner, and uh, thank you, Dr. Leonard, for really setting the stage for what I'm going to talk about next. So Dr. Leonard did a wonderful job outlining the different CAR T-cell therapies that are approved now for a variety of leukemias, lymphomas, and now multiple myeloma. Obviously, this is all based on the results of uh, clinical trials that that uh, showed really profound and um, terrific results in patients who, as Dr. Leonard had outlined, had really very few other uh, effective treatment options for their underlying cancer. So the first trial that led to an approval was in pediatric and young adult patients with B- uh, a type of acute leukemia called BALL. Um, and uh, you know, we, we have seen that uh, several of these uh, really young patients uh, who, had, uh, f- who had relapsed after multiple different treatment options have had lasting remission. Um, and have been able to mature into young adults uh, because of it. Um, we've seen we saw three clinical trials looking at CAR, the CAR T cells that Dr. Leonard outlined: uh, Yescarta, Kimraya, and Brianzi in adult patients with uh, refractory uh, diffuse large B cell lympho- lymphoma and other aggressive B cell lymphomas. Again, we've seen that the majority of the patients respond to the, their CAR T cell infusion, and a, a very high proportion will have durable responses. The first trial, looking at Yescarta, um, has follow-up out now past four years um, and has shown that there are a high percentage of patients that are still in response with no additional uh, therapies needed after their CAR T-cell infusion. Uh, off of those promising results, we've seen CAR T-cells tested in mantle cell lymphoma and in follicular lymphoma. As Dr. Leonard uh, outlined, 
Um, and again, we're seeing, you know, with with uh, prolonged follow-up now in the on the order of one and a half to two years um, for patients who had exhausted other standard of care options for for these type of lymphomas, um, we're seeing we're seeing a, a very high percentage of patients uh, maintaining their maintaining their response. It's a little early to know uh, what the future will hold for those patients because, as, as many of you know, these diseases don't grow as fast as acute leukemias and aggressive lymphomas, um, and so. Uh, it is possible that patients could still have late relapses, but we, we know that they're getting durable responses um, and years off therapy because of these CAR T cells uh, as a result. Um, we have also seen, uh, now that we've had these uh, therapies approved uh, in the standard of care setting, we're learning a lot about what happens when you give these therapies to a more general population. So, you know, when you go on clinical trials, many of those patients are incredibly fit. They don't have heart disease. They don't have kidney disease. They don't have uh, pulmonary disease. Um, and uh, and so, you know, many people were skeptical that those great results that I just outlined would uh, be pertinent to, you know, the general population of people with these different types of cancers. And what's been really reassuring to see is that as, as centers have expanded their accessibility of CAR T cells to broader populations of people, people maybe whose heart function wasn't as good as what was required to go on the clinical trials or whose kidney function wasn't as good or even to older patients, um, uh, we're seeing that the, these, these responses are reproducible. We're seeing the same great response rates, the same durable remission rates, and actually the same safety, which I'll get to in a bit. Um, so I think that's, that's a really uh, phenomenal thing that we've seen, which is that when we expand outside of a sort of perfect clinical trial population, we're still seeing that this, uh, this therapy can be uh, a positive impact for a much greater proportion of patients afflicted with these cancers. Um, the, uh, you know, I think that Dr. Leonard did touch upon who uh, really benefits from this, and I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's those patients right now who have really run out of other standard of care treatment options, um, for many of whom would go on other clinical trials um, or who would um, uh, try additional agents where, you know, responses may be, um, may occur in a, a minority of patients, um, and these are these are the patients who are responding in this case. Um, the other options often for patients like this are, are the transplants that Dr. Leonard had alluded to, um, but for both types of transplants, transplants from your own stem cells or transplants from a donor's stem cells, uh, you know, we do require that um, for in order for them to work, uh, that patients be either in a complete response um, or near complete response to basically have their disease under control. And many people who would go on to CAR T cell therapy aren't there. They're, they're, their disease is growing as you're collecting their T cells and waiting for the cells to be manufactured. And so this offers really an option uh, for those patients who, for whom it would be very difficult to get into a remission or a near complete remission in order to qualify for one of those stem cell transplants. Um, in addition, there, you know, we'll talk about what the follow-up care will look like and the side effects in one second, um, but it's important to realize that for patients who undergo CAR T-cell therapy, unlike the stem cell, stem cell transplant therapies, there are actually very few restrictions in terms of 
food and isolation and, and um, things like that long-term. There are also very few late side effects following CAR T-cell therapy. Most of the side effects happen in the first couple of weeks. And so the concept of a stem cell transplant may be very scary uh, to some people, and it can actually interfere with their livelihood for anywhere from 3 to 12 months after the transplant, uh, whereas for many patients after CAR T-cell therapy, they can return to their livelihood much sooner without those similar precautions. Um, so a little bit about the symptoms, about the symptoms and the side effects of CAR T cell therapy. As I mentioned, most of these happen pretty early um, after uh, patients uh, get their CAR T cells. So many CAR T cells are actually given in the hospital um, because of these side effects that I'm going to talk about in a second. So patients can be observed um, quite closely, although there are some CAR T cell therapies that are appropriate to be done in the outpatient setting, again, with close follow-up for some of these side effects. So the first side effect that patients can often experience after they get their CAR T cells is the end result of the activation of these T cells by um, the cancer cells and other cells that express the target that Dr. Leonard outlined uh, earlier um, on their surface. And this is called cytokine release syndrome. And so, you know, when you get the flu, you get, fe you get fevers and body aches and fatigue and headaches. Uh, and that's all the result of the activation of your immune system against cells that are infected with, by the flu virus. And the same thing happens after we give patients back their CAR T cells. They get that same inflammatory response. The only problem with CAR T cells is that we, it's not modulated uh, and, and not modulatable, and so sometimes patients can get an even more robust immune response uh, or inflammatory response, and this can lead to things like the blood pressure going down or patients getting fluid into their lungs and having shortness of breath. And a small, a small proportion of patients may even need to go to an intensive care unit for a brief stay, hopefully, um, to, until those inflammatory symptoms subside. Our um, ability to manage the cytokine release syndrome and inflammation has improved greatly over time. Um, we've been able to give patients uh, drugs to dampen down some of that inflammation at earlier time points uh, as we recognize that it hasn't uh, altered the e efficacy of the CAR T cells. And so as a result, fewer and fewer patients get to the point where they need an ICU these days. This is a reversible uh, set of symptoms that usually lasts about three to five days. It can happen within a day of the CAR T cell infusion, or sometimes it doesn't happen until four or five days later, but it usually lasts for about three to five days. And as people start to get better from that cytokine release syndrome, we can see the second side effect uh, kick in, which is the, a neurologic toxicity. Again, a reversible toxicity. Um, not everybody gets it, um, and, and whether um, how likely you are to get it depends on your underlying cancer, which type of CAR T cell you get. Dr. Leonard listed a, listed a number of different types of CAR T cells. Um, they all have a different rate of these toxicities, um, and it also uh, has to do with how how much cancer you have uh, when, when you are treated with your CAR T cells. Um, but if you do get this neurologic toxicity, it can range from sort of mild confusion and disorientation uh, to really being quite profoundly affected where you um, maybe are very, very sleepy. It's difficult to get you to wake up. It can be difficult for um, 
you to remember how to do things like feed yourself and go to the bathroom and things like that. Uh, but again, this is reversible and it's due, we, we, it's due to a number of things, but the end result is some amount of inflammation of the brain. Um, so we do treat this with steroids, um, which can help people become less confused and more awake very, very quickly. Um, but usually it, there's a natural history to this and people need some number of days in order to uh, permanently have the inflammation of the brain go away. Um, people do re recover to their normal mental status um, and it's, it's when their fevers have gone away and their inflammation's gone away and their, um, and their ability to think clearly has come back, uh, which is when the patients are allowed to leave the hospital. After they leave the hospital, um, if they're getting their CAR T cells in the hospital, uh, they do need to stay within two hours of the treatment center for up to four weeks from the time of the infusion. So if you're in the hospital for one week, that means three additional weeks. If you're in the hospital for two weeks, that means two additional weeks. And they also cannot drive for up to eight weeks after their CAR T cell infusion, and that's because these side effects, although rare, um, can come back uh, usually to a lesser extent uh, during that time frame. We typically would recheck uh, check a response to the therapy around that four-week time point, um, around one month, and most of the responses will happen as early as that one-month time point. Um, and after that time point, uh, patients can, if they've traveled far for their CAR T-cell therapy, can be... Um, can go back to see their local oncologist and get a lot of their care in conjunction with their CAR T-cell therapist um, and their local oncologist working together. Um, there are a couple of things that we look out for in that, you know, beyond that four-week point. Um, so one thing, especially for the CAR T-cells that are given for leukemias and lymphoma, where they target CD19, as Dr. Leonard described before, CD19 is not only a target on your health, on your cancerous B-cells, um, your cancerous leukemia and lymphoma cells, but it's also a target on your healthy B cells. And so patients who get uh, CD19-directed CAR T cells will have low B cell numbers, and B cells are the other part of your immune system. You have, we took your T cells to, to make your CAR T cells, and we gave you, um, and then your B cells are your other component. Um, so we do um, monitor B cell function by checking levels of the proteins that B cells make to help you fight infection. These are called immunoglobulins. And and if these fall below a certain number, your doctor may want to give you an infusion of immunoglobulins in order to boost your immune system and help protect you from infection. Uh, the other thing that we can see for a number of months after CAR T-cell infusion is that the, the chemotherapy that Dr. Leonard described to you um, as uh, the chemotherapy you get before you get your CAR T-cell infusion, um, that can actually lower your immune system for some amount of time. Um, and so I usually follow um, the, 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 me the uh, measure of the, those immune cells over time. And until it crosses a certain threshold, until it recovers to a certain level, I keep people on some preventative antibiotics uh, to prevent certain types of infections. Um, and then the last thing that we've experienced um, or recognized as we've treated more and more patients with CAR T cells is that there are a number of patients who um, will have their blood counts uh, recover very sluggishly. So people may need either blood transfusions or platelet transfusions or boosters of their white blood cells 
for some number of months after CAR T cells. And so when you do go back to your your primary oncologist, it, it may be some you may need to go in for visits uh, to to monitor these numbers. Um, but apart from those things, there are very few long-term side effects. And so many of my patients have actually been able to go back to work at six weeks. I mean, of course, this is before COVID, um, and we've had other restrictions. But in a in a it, as we can all look ahead, hopefully to a, an era where we're not uh, dealing with COVID. Um, you know, the, the, this is the kind of therapy people can bounce back from fairly quickly um, and uh, can go back to their livelihoods, as I had as I had mentioned. Um, the um, uh, telehealth, I think, has been incredibly important um, in thinking about CAR T cell therapy from the from the concept of do I want to uh, be evaluated for CAR T cells all the way to managing your care after CAR T cells. So um, there are not um uh there are few car t cell centers across the country i mean in places in parts of the country in certain parts of the country there are many and they're concentrated but in other parts there they are um they are scarce and so some people have to travel quite a distance in order to go through car t cell therapy and so if your doctor or you think it's a possibility for yourself and you want to learn more about car t cells before you travel across the country uh to to um to, to meet somebody who does CAR T cell therapy, that is an opportunity where telehealth uh, can allow you to learn more about the therapy before you even leave your house. Um, and uh, and that, that can help you make the decision about whether it's something that's feasible for you um, or um, an option for you. In addition, um, after those four weeks where you're near the CAR T cell treatment center, um, when you do go back home, which as I said, could be a number of hours away, rather than having to come back to the CAR T cell treatment center, you can continue to maintain a relationship with your CAR T cell physician through te through telehealth, which has been really phenomenal, to, a phenomenal way to help uh, providers and patients stay connected, but also to allow for providers in different parts of the country to work together for their patients. Um, so I think those are those are two ways that telehealth has really um, contributed to uh, the care of patients who are candidates for CAR T-cell therapy and who have underwent CAR T-cell therapy. Now, there are a number of clinical trials, as Dr. Leonard opened with, uh, for, for CAR T-cell therapy across the country. Um, and there, there are trials looking at CAR T-cells in different lines of therapy, as he mentioned. So these are trials looking um, at whether CAR T-cell therapy may benefit people in certain circumstances in earlier lines of therapy. Um, there are CAR T Cell, there are new CAR T cells, so we're learning a little bit about um, when CAR T cells don't work, what are some of the reasons that they don't work, and so there are um, CAR T cells that are being developed in order to address some of those mechanisms of resistance to the, to the therapies that we have at our fingertips right now, um, and so those would be, those would be CAR T cells um, that uh, CAR, -T uh, CAR T cells in clinical trials um, uh, in certain circumstances. There are also clinical trials of CAR T cells for other types of cancers. So we've talked a lot about the blood cancers today, but there are CAR T cells for a variety of um, 
solid tumors as well, um, trials looking into sarcomas and uh, prostate cancer um, and breast cancer and colon cancer. Um, and so uh, it's uh, you, you, many, many CAR T-cell treatment centers will also have a website with a list of their clinical trials, and you could talk to your, your doctor about whether it's a, an option for you and, and your cancer. Um, uh, the uh, there was one other thing I was just going to say. It is escaping me right now. Um, uh, but I so but all of this is is to say that um, the the field is moving incredibly quickly. I think the um, the opportunity um, that CAR T cells uh, have afforded us as clinicians to to effectively treat our patients um and uh, to in, you know offer a dose of hope and optimism has been really phenomenal i've been it's been such a privilege and pleasure to watch i mean i've seen some of my patients go from having no hope at all to you know celebrating birthdays and weddings and birth of first grandchildren um and it's just it's been a, a, re a real privilege to be part of and um i'm glad to have this opportunity today to talk to you about it, and I'm looking forward to your questions. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Jacobson. That was, it was just a wonderful, wonderful presentation, and also just um, the conclusion, just giving people such hope and the examples you gave. Very um, inspiring to everybody on the call, so thank you so much, and I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A as well, and, but thank you very much. Um, and um, I'm just going to say a few words about Cancer Care Services, just so that you have a sense of um, of the fact that you can get some free support services from cancer care. Um, I just want to uh, uh, say that we're not the only uh, support organization in the country, um, uh, but we do offer some unique services, and um, they might be of value to people on the call. Um, so cancer care, I'm Carolyn Mester. I'm Director of Education at Cancer Care. And Cancer Care offers free programs and services to people throughout the United States, uh, so national programs. And what are those programs? Um, we do have something called a Hope Line. People can just um, call our 800 number um, and uh, the, uh, and speak to one of our oncology social workers. Um, and to really to present their questions, concerns, more general concerns, not specific. We're not a medical center, so really their concerns about coping and, and issues that they may be confronting. Um, and so... Uh, so we offer that kind of support to people. Um, we also do offer a practical, financial, and a co-payment assistance, which makes a very big difference. And also we have special COVID funds as well. That makes a very big difference all the time, but particularly at this time when people are particularly feeling strapped around financial issues. Um, we offer online support groups. Um, we offer workshops like this, about 75 of them per year, on different topics, on different types of cancers, on different topics related to um, coping with um, with cancer. And we also have a number of publications, so that gives you kind of a thumbnail sketch of the different services we offer. Um, we also have a very active website that you can visit. And, and actually, at the end of today's program, we'll be giving you um, you'll be getting a Survey Monkey evaluation. But in that evaluation, we'll also include any links or anything that we've mentioned during the program, um, so you'll so don't have to write them all down. We'll actually give you that information um, at the end of the program. I mean, in the Survey Monkey um, evaluation. So we like you to complete the evaluation, but we also like to actually provide you with not just an evaluation, but also to give you all the additional information that might be of use to you. Um, and um, but I do also want to mention that there are a number of other 
organizations that offer help, and they also are more specific to uh, lymphoma and leukemia, and those may be of resources to you as well, and we'll include those as well for all of you to have so that you can access those services also. Now, before we move on to our um, our Q&A, I just have a few uh, questions to ask all of you um, at the end of the program. Um, it helps us in getting a sense of what how you, what you've learned from the program today. So the first question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater knowledge of CARS, chimeric antigen receptors, and again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I feel more confident about my knowledge of when to consider CAR T-cell therapies as a treatment choice. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the next question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I feel more confident in my knowledge of working with my healthcare team to use their tips and suggestions to manage potential treatment side effects and discomfort of CAR T-cell therapies. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And now just two questions left. As a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in the benefits of CAR-T cell therapies. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. And the last question is, as a result of what I learned in this workshop, I have greater confidence in participating in clinical trials for CAR-T cell therapies. Again, one is the highest rating and five the lowest rating. So I want to thank you all for participating in this uh, in these questions, both um, during the before the program started and then uh, before we take the Q and A. It, it gives us a sense of, of what you need to what we need to plan better, what you need to know, and so it really helps us to better inform all of the programs that we offer going forward. So thank you for helping with that. And now we're going to move on to our question and, and answers for our, our panel of experts. I'm going to ask Michelle to bring all of our speakers on board, and we're going to take as many of your questions as possible. And Michelle, if you could explain to our participants how to queue up the questions. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then one on your touchstone telephone. If your question has been answered and you wish to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. We have a number of online questions right now, so I'm going to start with those. Um, so we have one question for Dr. Leonard. How can CAR T-cell therapy change my risk for serious illness of COVID-19? Well, CAR T-cell therapy itself is uh, not really connected to COVID-19 in the in the situation, just to be clear, in case there's any confusion, it's not a treatment for COVID-19. It's a treatment for these different types of cancers. If someone has had CAR T-cell therapy, then as Dr. Jacobson mentioned, following the CAR T-cell therapy in some part because of the, the CAR T-cells themselves, in some part 
because of the chemotherapy that's given as part of this CAR T-cell treatment. Uh, and then typically such patients have also received other therapies before the CAR T-cell treatment that can affect the immune system. The totality of all of this may mean that the individual patient does not have a perfect immune system, may be at more risk for infections, and in that case, um, they, that individual, like others with certain forms of blood cancers, might be less likely to respond to a COVID vaccination and might be more prone to uh, serious uh, COVID infections if one were infected with COVID uh, virus, uh, the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus that, that causes COVID, um, that may be uh, a, a greater risk as far as severe uh, uh, complications of such. So I think uh, patients who've received CAR T-cell therapy, as many others with blood cancers, need to be uh, uh, careful about uh, their infection risk with COVID. They may not may not be able to rely on the vaccination quite as much, um, but this is something that one should talk with one's individual doctor. But in, in general, I think it's fair to say that uh, um, patients who've had CAR T-cell therapy need to be uh, extra careful and take uh, precautions until the uh, risk of COVID in the community uh, is substantially less. And, and thankfully, it seems to be going down in many places, uh, certainly uh, in the U.S., but obviously in many parts of the U.S. and around the world is still a major issue and concern. So thank you. Um, and a question for um, Dr. Jacobson. Has this therapy been approved for or studied for cutaneous T-cell lymphoma? Yeah, so that's a great question. There are actually a number of trials looking at uh, targeting T-cell uh, lymphomas. There's a, a unique problem to, to, to targeting T-cell lymphomas. If you remember, I told you that um, the CD19 cars that target cancerous B cells also target healthy B cells. So oftentimes that's the problem is that the healthy counterpart has the same markers on their surface um, and so can be killed by the car. And remember, we're using T cells to try to kill the cancer cells. Um, and so if the target is a T cell lymphoma, um, some of the targets that you would want the car to go after are actually also present on the healthy T cell. Um, so there have been some very unique ways that uh, scientists have gotten around this, and, and there are uh, T cell, there are CAR T cells that are targeting CD30, for example, uh, CD5, and CD7. Um, and uh, the, actually, you often have to get rid of those markers from the the T-cell that you use to create the CAR T-cell itself. Um, so there are some clinical trials. I don't know that they're specific to cutaneous T-cell lymphomas, but they are being open for T-cell lymphomas in general. Um, and uh, uh, But they, you know, they are in their earliest uh, phases of development. And so a lot of, a lot of these trials are testing, um, you know, starting at a low dose of these CAR T-cells and escalating to higher doses uh, and being tested in a very small proportion of population of patients before we can know if they're going to be effective and safe and be able to be brought into larger clinical trials. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, and um, 
wonderful question and, and great answer. Thank you, thank you very much, Dr. Jacobson. Um, and the next question for Dr. Leonard: How does how long does it take CAR T cell therapy to work? So CAR T cell therapy uh, effects can uh, can work over months, meaning that. Uh, the effects of the CAR T cells can occur over at least several months of the time of, uh, from the time of the treatment uh, to see the effects. That said, like with other therapies, we tend to look earlier, and it's uh, common uh, to look at the effects of the CAR T cells roughly a month after treatment, and then again several months later. Uh, but again, there's some variability in this, and it depends on the overall situation. So that said, most people that have a response tend to have some improvement in their disease um, relatively early, within a month or two. Um, but that Im- that improvement can um, continue to improve. In other words, the tumor can shrink partially at the one-month time point and continually respond and get better uh, subsequent to that. Um, and so the net, the net answer to the question is it tends to occur within a month or so. You see some benefit, but you can continue to see improvement over a longer period of time in many people. Thank you. Excellent. Um, um, and for Dr. Jacobson, um, what is the full treatment process for patients who use CAR T cell therapy? And again, that might be individualized, but if you could address it in a general way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just to understand all of the steps, once once uh, you and your physician and the CAR T cell physician all agree that this is um, appropriate for your underlying cancer, uh, the first thing that happens is you go through a screening process um, where we test. Um, uh, heart function and uh, basic labs to test kidney function and, and uh, some, some other things to just make sure that uh, you meet all the criteria for the CAR T-cell treatment center um, as, uh, criteria for going forward with CAR T-cells. Then you then you undergo the process of collecting the T cells, which is a process called phoresis. It's it's almost like when people donate platelets, um, or if you've gone through an autologous stem cell transplant, it's similar to the process of collecting those stem cells. Um, and but but generally it takes only one day, uh, so it's about four to six hours of collection in a chair where you're hooked up to a machine that's able to sort your blood to put the T cells aside and then give you the rest of the blood back. This often requires placement of a catheter in the chest. Uh, to do that, which then comes out um, after the T cells are collected and then sent to a laboratory where they get genetically modified uh, in order to um, manufacture the, the end product, the CAR T cells. That process can take anywhere from about 17 days to up to you know 30 to 40 days, depending on which of the products we're talking about. And so during that time, your CAR T-cell physician and your and your uh, primary oncologist are working together to possibly treat you with some bridging therapies to keep your disease under control so that your disease doesn't make you get too sick to be able to get your CAR T-cells when they eventually come back to the CAR T-cell treatment center. When they do come back to the CAR T-cell treatment center, 
you, you go through generally three days of chemotherapy in order to make you a better host for the T-cells. It's not meant to treat your underlying cancer. And then, as I had mentioned, most CAR T-cell uh, therapies are given in the hospitals. So then after those three days of chemotherapy, you'd go into the hospital to get your CAR T-cells, followed by at least a seven-day observation period. Um, but as I had mentioned, you would go home if you had any side effects once those side effects had subsided. Um, and then you would stay close to the CAR T-cell treatment center for that total of four weeks uh, until you had your first response assessment, um, after which we think the risks of having some of those side effects I talked about uh, are uh, having them recur is lower. The, the other option for some CAR T-cells is to have the infusion be as an outpatient, but you would need to go back and forth to the CAR T-cell treatment center and be seen most almost daily out of seven days, um, and then you would need to come into the hospital should you get one of those side effects we talked about. Um, so, so that is usually what's entailed um, in, uh, in going through CAR T-cell therapy from a really sort of nuts and bolts and practical matter perspective. Excellent. Thank you. It's related to this for Dr. Leonard. How do I best prepare myself for CAR T-cell therapy? Well, I think uh, the the key issues are to, number one, be educated around um, your individual situation and whether or not it's the right choice for you. That will obviously, uh, you know, depend on discussions with your doctor, with your care team, reading information uh, about uh, the CAR T cells. And I think it's very important to read uh, information from reliable sources like Cancer Care and some of the other organizations um, rather than just regularly uh, uh, in different uh, kind of chat rooms on the Internet. You sometimes can get good information there, but often uh, it's not quite as accurate as you might like. So I think understanding what's in store and uh, really understanding the process uh, is going to be very important so that you and your family are prepared. I think like most uh, cancer treatments, to the extent that you can uh, also be as fit as you can, and sometimes you can work on that. You can you know, walk and move around and do things and kind of uh, keep yourself uh, in, in shape, uh, which we all obviously uh, ideally would do, but obviously in the middle of cancer treatment and, and all of the challenges that faces in dealing with the disease, often you can't uh, do that. But talking with your, your care team as to how you can uh, prepare yourself and, and be in as good physical shape by uh, moving around and, and, and being uh, as strong as you can, I think like any treatment will make it uh, less likely to have complications and more likely uh, to go uh, smoothly. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and for Dr. Jacobson's question, um, have there been any instances of the body rejecting the return T-cells? So it's so it's interesting that someone asked that question because the one thing I was thinking about mentioning, uh, and I said I can't remember what I was going to say next, uh, had to do with this. So thank you for asking oh, this wow. question. Um, so so it's it's not so when most of as as we talked about most of the CAR T cells we're talking about today, or actually all of the CAR T cells we've talked about today come from the the patient, um, and uh, the um, the T cells share all of the uh, proteins on the surface that define 
the patient's own self. And so it's it, it would be a, it's a, we haven't experienced a situation where the patient's own immune system rejects those T cells. But it is the purpose of that chemotherapy that we give to people, which is to bring down the immune system both to support um, a environment that will uh, uh, cause these CAR T cells to grow and make more of themselves and become activated, but also so that the immune system can't, you know, for for a, a time being after that chemotherapy would have less of an a, a, an effect on clearing these CAR T cells as they're trying to do their job. Um, what I was going to say about the clinical trials was that people are now starting to look at donor uh, CAR T cells. So these are allogeneic CAR T cells. So you use a, don a healthy donor to collect the T cells, um, and then you put the CAR gene in those healthy donor T cells and then give them back to the patient. The advantage of this is that they're available on demand. So that whole, you know, 17 to 30 day processing period manufacturing window where you might have to go through another therapy that wouldn't be needed because these therapies would be available to you off the shelf the same way that a drug would be available to you off the shelf. The problem is that these cells could cause graft-versus-host disease, that they, they could actually attack the patient's healthy cells. So to, in order to combat that, uh, they take out the, the, the T-cell receptor, which does the immunologic work from the donor CAR T-cell, um, so that these can't cause graft-versus-host disease. But the problem is is that the host is, uh, can reject these donor T-cells because there are a lot of markers on the surface of this T-cell that 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 tell the body that these are foreign T cells. And so the, the with the standard chemotherapy that we give to patients before they get their CAR T cells, too many of these CAR T cells were uh, removed before they could kill cancer cells. So what people have been doing or companies have been doing to try to combat that is to enhance th that chemotherapy, to give other drugs to more uh, significantly lower the host immune response against these uh, donor CAR T cells, and we are starting to see some really nice activity of these off-the-shelf CAR T cells. So uh, it's a great question. The, the, that was a long answer. The short answer is not, with, not when we take the T cells from you, um, but when we take them from a donor, it is one of the significant problems, but we're starting to see uh, uh, solutions to address those problems. Well, thank you. I really want to thank uh, Dr. Leonard and, and, and uh, Dr. Jacobson. This has been a phenomenal call. I, I, we could go on all afternoon. There are many more questions in queue, but we had said this would be an hour program. So I want to thank our speakers very much. Um, I guess I'd like to ask them if they'd like to give a takeaway, if uh, sharing with just uh, Dr. Um, Leonard and then Dr. Jacobson, just a takeaway point that you'd like the um, participants to take with them from today's call. So Dr. Leonard? Well, I think a key takeaway point is uh, is for patients and their families to think about clinical trials. Everything we've talked about today uh, really comes from patients participating in clinical trials, uh, clinical trials of CAR T cells. But there are also many other uh, options out there. In addition to CAR T cells, there are, as you just heard, new versions of CAR T cells being studied, new combinations of CAR T cells. And so uh, really, it, it is a way to not only move the field forward pro and provide information, but in many cases has provided patients options when they had limited to other choices uh, to begin with. And so this is really uh, something I think everybody in their cancer journey should think about clinical trials as an option and talk to your care team about that if that's appropriate for you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, um, and Dr. Jacobson? Yeah, I think what what I what I was going to say is actually very um tied to what Dr. Leonard just said, which is 
that this is a really incredible time to be practicing uh, cancer care that uh, because we've been able to uh, learn so much about what makes a cancer cell uh, grow incorrectly. Um, we have been able to come up with some uh, really unique targeted approaches, and as a result of all of these clinical trials that you know thousands and thousands of patients have um, participated in, we're seeing the needle move very, very quickly, um, and we're seeing pro real progress being made. And uh, it's just a really phenomenal time to be uh, in this field. Thank you. This is amazing. And I, I think for everyone on the call today, um, there's a sense of really great um, hope and inspiration about what you've all what you said but both said, uh, both practical issues and, and both the more the broader issues and and uh um and um so thank you. Thank you very much. Um and um I I do wonder for those of you who had the chance to ask a question today, I want to remind you that of course we want you to go back to your treating healthcare team. Um, please um, know that um, what, you've, what you've learned today, you want to take it back to your treating healthcare team and see how it all applies to you. And for those of you who were listening and didn't get to ask a question but thought of another question or had other questions, again, go back to your treating healthcare team. They are, of course, um, they know you the best. They have the best information about you, and they are. Um, and you may want to schedule a specific appointment to meet with them, either uh, in person or as a telehealth visit, telemedicine visit, um, so you can go over your questions with them because that's really important. And most importantly, as we conclude the program today, um, I really not, would not want anyone to feel alone in coping with um, considering CAR T cell, uh, CAR -T -cell um, uh, therapies or anyone who has any concerns whatsoever about um, any um, the issues that they're coping with. We want you to know that you're now part of a community of support. Now, it is, of course, in this era of COVID that people are feeling more alone. They're a little bit more restricted in movement, a little bit more at home, a bit more. Um, um, but we still have uh, the telephone, and we still have other mechanisms um, of communicating with people. And there's lots of resources out there. Um, I would advise all of you to check with your physician offices of their availability. seems that things often happen at night and weekends, so be sure that you know what that availability is, who to call. And I also want you to know that, that um, for those of you who want to pursue further services from Cancer Care or all the other organizations are going to recommend that you contact, that you, um, that you know that they're available to you and they're simply a phone call or mouse click away. That's really important to know. Again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.